talk about the show. Welcome, everybody, to the very special episode of Commanderin. I'm your host, Gavin Verhey. I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Phil DeLuca and Shivan Bot. How's it going, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's going pretty well, Gavin. Thanks for having us on. As we all know, every week on Commanderin, we have three things that we talk about, and that's Commander, Shivam, and Phil. <laughs> I mean, fair, fair. Pretty fair, yeah. Yeah, sometimes we mention cards, I think. Well, cards fall under the, the Commander category, indeed. So how's it going this week, guys? What's new? Nothing, really. It didn't seem like there was anything exciting going on at all. What about you, Phil? Yeah, not too much. Not really. While we're talking, I think what I'm going to do is just look at the internet a minute. What? Hey, are there Commander 2018 spoilers up? Wait, what? I guess they're previews, technically. Oh, well, there was that creepy guy who came up to me and said he could <laughs> I could have a card. He came up to you again, huh? You know, I don't know what it is. Every couple of months, this dude just finds me and is like, Psst, and I fall for it every time. <laughs> Man, I can't believe you keep falling for the same trick. It's almost like you want preview cards. Mm. <laughs> apparently she even likes walking up to strangers who have cards in their coats you know what man you go to a gp once and you're just changed for life so if you live in the bay area and you see she walking around all i'm saying all i'm saying all i'm saying guys just step right up ask if he wants to see your card and take it from there could be any number of fun outcomes <laughs> <laughs> well gavin we're back on the show thank you very much for for having us do your listeners know how they can help the show? Yes, I absolutely know how the listeners can help. So Commanderin is really a product of love. You know, me, you, Shivam, you meaning Phil, we all put it together every every week. And it really is the patrons that help make this possible. So the Patreon goes so far toward making this a big deal. As a content creator, the show couldn't exist without all of your help and your listens and listening is great just by listening to this episode you've already brought so much joy into our lives but if you, you want have. to bring an absurdly large higher amount of joy into our lives i can't recommend en enough backing on patreon uh even at the bucka show level it helps out the show so 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 much it really does i've heard that yeah phil do you want to say any more on this topic i mean you're always you're always chiming in about patreon yeah well if people want to help the show, of course, they go to patreon.com uh, slash commander and MTG. But Gavin, I saw that you also have a PayPal link up. That's commander and MTG.com slash donations. So if someone isn't really comfortable with Patreon for whatever reason, they can go to PayPal. We have a subscription there. We have a single show donation as well. So, yeah. And I know you like to talk about this. If you go to YouTube, you can find the show's latest videos which includes a preview card from commander 2018 what when did that happen <laughs> well so you were in a bit of a haze you may not recall it because the most we could get out of you for that show she even was something that sounded like <laughs> and so i think it was a seizure but we'll just be happy with a fugue state i've just been in this haze since the preview started just like 
oh my god, every day is like the best card I've ever seen. I don't even know what to do. I'm losing my mind. So when you go to YouTube, though, to watch the preview card episode that Shivam can't remember, remember to comment, rate, and subscribe because that helps us. Gavin really likes those statistics. He looks at them every week and he yells at us if we don't have enough of them. So please play the show to the very end. That helps us. And of course, positive reviews wherever you get your podcast from because that increases the size of the commander and family, which means even more people get to listen to it. The best way to do that is to tell all your friends about us, too. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Commander and Planner Chaos Edition. <laughs> so the first card up to talk about is Sunlance. This is a one-way sorcery from Planner Chaos. I was thinking we could talk about Steamflogger Bus. Anyway, you know what's a great format? <laughs> Commander. <laughs> Shivam, as the lead designer of Commander 2018... Yeah. I would love for you to tell us about the set that you've made. Well, Gavin, I'm glad you asked. As it happened, I've had a wish list of commanders that I've wanted to make ever since I discovered the format. So I waved my magic wand, and lo, they all appeared in this set. In one set, too. Yeah, literally everything I've asked for for the past three years, except for Jedit O'Donnan, has shown up in this set. It's amazing how I was able to do that entire thing all by myself, right down to the font setting, art creation, art direction, where I directed myself to create the art, and uh, the editing, the text writing, and including the packaging. Each and every individual <laughs> commander deck you buy was hand packaged by me. Wow, that's amazing. You, you collated and packed every set of commander. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Meanwhile, back in the real world... <laughs> Every week, we like to call out three of our Patroni. Gavin, would you do the honors this time? I'd like to call out three of our Patroni. These are the people that donate to Commanderin and are really just probably fantastic humans. I haven't met them, but, I mean, they're donating to Commanderin, so come on. Yeah, there's really no doubt, is there? Right, only the greatest people donate to Commanderin. Those people are Thomas A. Cuff, Matt Palliser, or Palissier, or Pal-iser, <laughs> depending on the way you pronounce it. And then, number three, the enigmatic Michael. Thank you, Thomas A. Cuff, Matt, and Michael. It is much appreciated. Thank you for your p patronage, patroniage, and thanks for supporting Commander. And I always enjoy coming on this show, or hosting it, depending on your speed. <laughs> and it's a blast to have you guys supporting it so I can keep coming on, and you know you can help these guys get bigger and better equipment. Yeah, thank you very much, patrons. We do appreciate everything that you do for us, and your continued support is unbelievably important to the show. And, and you know, here's how much I love all of you patrons out there. You might notice that in previous episodes, I've sounded kind of like I'm coming from a, a tin can on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. And because I love coming on Commander in so much, after the last episode, I was like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to buy a full-on fancy mic setup just for you guys. So if I sound slightly better this time, it's thanks to the patrons. No money was taken from Commander in for this. I spent all my own hard-earned dollars on it. But you really do mean a lot to me, and I want you to have the best show possible whenever I come on. So thank you so much. Well, you are amazing for doing that, really. Like, that's just absolutely incredible. Like, that's above and beyond. I'll get used out of it. You free, For your extensive voiceover work. Yeah, I've always wanted to. If this whole magic thing doesn't work out, maybe I'll be a voiceover person. <laughs> I've already got a Lord Windgrace down. So in other brief news, our long lost co-host Sean got married today. Congratulations, Sean. That's really good news. We of the Commander and family wish you the best of luck and we wish you and your family all prosperity and happiness in the future. 
And we hope you, to hear back from you soon, but not too soon, because you did, in fact, just get married, and your wife might not be too keen on losing you to the podcast universe quite so soon. Yeah, Bridie is definitely uh, going to need some attention there. We're keeping the light on for you, and we wish you the best, Sean. You know, there's one thing we all know on Commander in, and that's that multiplayer is the best format. Incidentally, uh, did you see the article that I wrote about uh, Sahili? I did. I thought it was great. Yeah. I was really, really excited to see the return of Sahili, and I wrote a long article on my Tumblr. The artist actually read it and complimented me. It was really nice. But um, yeah, this is amazing. It's absolutely what I was hoping would come out of all of our discussions about Kaladesh. So thank you for that. And thank you for her, because she is exactly what I was looking for, for my... uh, artifacting needs good yeah you know i think the new sahili is quite strong the last time sahili wasn't played a lot in standard until she accidentally broke and was a combo with a single card combo <laughs> with felidar guardian <laughs> and so she got kind of a bad rap and this new sahili i think is, is quite good especially the the artifact reduction ability of hers and she just seems a lot more fair this time around still doing a lot of her good old sahili stuff and she's pretty exciting um sahili the gifted is a legendary planeswalker who costs two, a blue and a red. And uh, she creates, for plus one, creates a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature. For her second plus one, the next spell you cast this turn costs one less to cast for each artifact you control as you cast it. And then a negative seven, which is for each artifact you control, create a token that's a copy of it. Those tokens gain haste, exile them at the beginning of your next step. And then the magic words, Sahili the Gifted can be your commander. Starting loyalty of four. First off, that spell reduction cost is incredible. Yeah, I mean, she can power out some real big stuff. Darksteel Colossi or whatever you're in the mood for pretty quickly. Especially if you have, you know, artifact lands or you know, a bunch of cheap mana rocks. She's pretty strong. I'm imagining a gigantic bonfire of the damned fueled by a million artifacts sitting on your table. Yeah, she can make your dreams a reality. She just seems like a really solid artifact commander. As opposed to Joyra, who's kind of feels a lot more combo-based. You know, like play a ton of cards, draw a ton of cards. Sahili feels more like she wants you to go wide with your artifacts. Yeah, and we wanted to make sure each of the commanders for each of the decks had its own distinctive feel. And Sahili definitely you know wants you to go wide with artifacts. And the other two commanders are doing different things. Thanos is a little combo-y. Bruticlad is really weird and wild. There's a lot of cool stuff to do there. I'm so excited that Thanos is existing, by the way. He was like my number one secret character I wanted to see. What do you mean secret character? So Candelabra of Thanos is one of my favorite cards from the olden days. And every time somebody would talk about, hey, we should bring back X or Y character from the olden days. I'd be like, yeah, well, what about Thanos? And everybody's like, Thanos? Nobody wants Thanos. And now Thanos is here. And I was just like, I can't believe that they gave me Thanos. Finally. It's so exciting. Like, literally... I was just, like, jumping out of my seat when I saw that. Gavin, do you know that at the end of GP Seattle, one of Shivam's friends, the ones he was staying with, they gave him a, a pile of cards, basically, and he opened them up, and it was... One of the cards was a candelabra of Thanos. It was literally 20 antiquities cards in mint condition, including, like, candelabra, a coffin of Thanos, a, 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 just a whole bunch of just amazing, pristine antiquities cards. And I'm just like, I... I screamed so hard he could hear me up the elevator shaft. It was meant to be. Now you can build your Thanos deck. Oh, dude, you have no idea. You know, a th- key thing with Thanos is we. I wanted to make sure 
that it worked with the cards that had Thanos in their name. And eventually, <laughs> we tried so many versions of this card. It did all kinds of things. Like there's <laughs> versions that Genesis waved for artifacts. There were versions that, I mean, like we probably tried more versions of this card than almost any individual card in the set. Um, but I'm so happy with where we ended up with it because it's a really fun kind of Johnny slash Jenny build around. And you can do some pretty wonky stuff with it. I know that I saw a tweet by Saffron Olive where he's like, my next deck starts with Panharmonicon and Thanos. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. <laughs> this is going to be absurd. I'm so excited. But before we get too far, Gavin, shall we stop and actually talk about what we're talking about? You mean, before we go too far down the path you set us on, Shivam? <laughs> you have no idea how excited I am, Phil. I want to talk about this so much. You are not going to stop me. <laughs> All right, so some Commander 2018 edition details. Uh, it releases or released, depending on when you hear this episode, on August 10th, 2018. There are 307 cards with 59 new ones. Usually there's only 55. I think last year we had 57, maybe. Oh, see, the sets you work on, they're kind of creeping up, aren't they? There might also not have been 57. That's just what I remember right now. So <laughs> fact check that later. <laughs> yeah no 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 let's not fact check it we are in a post-fact culture oh wait we're talking about politics so 59 new cards and the game design team you were the lead set designer gavin and the lead vision designer was ken nagel also a noted commander designer yeah and it it was very fun getting to have the handoff from ken because ken always likes to push the envelope he tries a lot of really wild and crazy things and fortunately Commander is an awesome format to try doing wild and crazy envelope pushing things in. And he definitely had a vision for this set at the outset. And I'm really glad to translate that into the final product, including a number of pretty wild cards that made it to print, which I'm sure we'll get into. Additionally, a thing that Ken did, because he really goes deep on Commander and then I continued, was we, we really wanted to look at the feedback from the community and then make things based around that. So there's a number of cards in the set that are really there based on holes that people kept mentioning were in the format and things that we felt would make the ecosystem of Commander better to be around. So And bring back characters people have been asking for, that kind of thing. So I'm really happy with how it turned out. So can we talk about that for one second before we go too far? Well, wait. <laughs> the rest of the game design team, Eli Schifrin, Glenn Jones, Jules Robbins, McLean Crowell, I don't think we've heard that name before, and Scott Larrabee. So now, before we get into the individual cards, again, let's look at some of the themes and the mechanics of the set. And so the themes this year are artifacts in the Exquisite Inventions Is It deck, blue and red. Lands, which is the Nature's Vengeance Jund Black Red Green deck. Enchantments in the Adaptive Enchantment deck, which is Bant, White, Blue, Green, and Subjective Reality is the Top of Library Matters deck, which is Esper, Blue, Black, White. Now that's a nice surprise. You know, you follow that trend, you're like, oh, I probably know what's coming next. And it's like, nope, something pretty, pretty wonky and different. Yeah, that definitely went to left field. How did these themes get chosen? I guess Ken chose those, right? Yeah, actually, when the set was handed off to me, these are the color combinations and themes that the decks had when they were handed to set design from vision design. And of course, in vision or in set design, we have the wherewithal to change them if we want to. For example, in Commander 2017, I handed off a blue-black wizard's deck, and then Brian Hawley added red into it. But 
all of them worked out pretty well, and we were pretty happy keeping them. The three of them have blue in it in them, so that's a little unusual, but all the decks played great. There was a great ecosystem with each other, and we're not beholden to sticking to certain color mixes or combinations. If they were all blue, that would probably have been a problem, but three out of four being blue, I was okay with. And top of the library, yeah, so we, we did three card type matters things. Every year we want to have one deck that feels a little different from the rest, so if you don't buy into what's going on with the themes, there's something that's just kind of out in left field you can go and play. And Glenn Jones came up with this top of the library matters deck. And we had never really seen anything like it. And at its core, really, it's a control deck. It's doing controlling things. It's helping police the table, wiping the board, and so on. But it has this fun little top of the library component to it that we hadn't really played around with much. And it allowed us to create some really unique cards. And it gives it a really unique feel. And it was a blast to play. And when I went into the process, I didn't know if we'd be keep it this way but end up being fun enough and different enough that we're happy to leave it as is that's pretty awesome we are uh very excited about these some more than others aren't we shivam okay gavin i need to i need to talk to you directly about this first off so Uh you and i have known each other for quite some time now and we've talked about commander (laughs) for quite some time now so i was just wondering when my royalty checks were going to show up from the fact that you've looted my brain for this set (laughs) Literally, it feels like every conversation we've ever had about it, I'm like, you know what we really need? An Esper Zombie Lord. You know what we really need? We need a U, a, a blue-red artificer since Kaladesh. What's going on? You know what? I need a Bant Enchantress. What's happening? Where is everything? And now, out of nowhere, just so happens after two years of development cycle, suddenly every card I've ever wanted is now in a commander deck? How dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> well, you know... Going back to what I said a moment ago, Ken and I trawled through tons and tons of feedback <laughs> to help make this product. And first of all, a lot of the things you want are turns out things a lot of people want. So we're happy to put them in here. But also, <laughs> you are among the voices of feedback we listen to. I mean, Commander in is a big podcast. You have thoughts. You put them out here every week. Those thoughts are echoed by others. And it's possible you help make some of this happen. You shaped the reality around you itself. So you can pat yourself on the back for that a little bit, I suppose. Whoa. I am a myth unbound. Which of these mechanics did you uh, find inspiration from something that Shivam said? <laughs> well, so Commander uh, Commander Storm, in quotations. Is, yeah, but that's a great term for it. Yeah, it was called Commander Storm on the card for a long time, but we ended up not keywording it in the end. Was it? Yeah, Commander Storm was the playtest name for it. It stuck for a very long time, but eventually in the editing phase, we decided to not give it a, a keyword. Probably for the best. Good instincts there, Shivam. <laughs> yeah, Commander Storm, it's, it, it just fits. These cards came from Ken, or at least the idea for these cards came from Ken. They were changed a lot in set design, but the idea of there being five of them came from him. And it's a really fun cycle. We like every year to have a cycle. And they were kind of a slam dunk almost immediately. And it's really fun because the game's going to go on for a long time. Your commanders build up over time. You keep casting your commanders. And to have a card that scales off how often you cast your commander which is one of the most fun things to do in a game of Commander, presumably, is great. And normally tracking would be a problem, but because of the Commander tax, you're always tracking your Commander anyway. So that die on your Commander is just like a natural little thing to figure out, oh, this is how many copies I get. And frankly, these cards are pretty strong. I mean, the green one, I know a lot of people opened up on this. This is really powerful. (laughs) But they're all quite good. Even the black one, which I I know has been getting a little bit of people like, ah, it's a little expensive. Trust me, the game will get there. When you cast this, this will end the game. Plus, not yeah. to mention, I like to throw myself little little passes. And 
we just did partners. Commander Storm is really good with partner. It counts each of your partners. If I cast Virtus once and Gorm once, that's two triggers on my Commander Storm. Oh, so, crap. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. That's funny. So it's not that hard to, for example, cast Skull Storm for four, five, even six copies sometimes, and that is a crushing. That really is crushing. <laughs> Oh, okay. These storm okay. cards are just like every time I look at them, I'm like, "A, I can't believe that it's taken this long to get to a mechanic that keys off of your commander tax like that, which is such a clever innovation." And B, oh my god, this is going to be so much fun. These are so dumb. The other mechanic, which is a big one and returning that I want to talk about right off the bat, is the planeswalker as commanders. When Kenny came up with this set originally, this was kind of the big thing. Let's bring them back. Let's do multicolored ones, and let's make a bunch of cool variety of Planeswalkers. And bringing them back and trying them again, getting a Planeswalkers right for Commander is tricky because there's more people that can attack them. They need more loyalty, but you can also cast them over and over. They can give repeatable effects. So that was a big thing we had to work on. That was in Ken's handoff as well. I find them a lot of fun to play with. They were very hard to balance and get right, but I, I feel like we ended up in a pretty good spot on them. A few have got my eye on. And then a lot of them are, are pretty pretty wild. Estrid for example, making totem armor tokens. I mean, that's something we've never seen before. Yeah, that's spectacular. When I read that, I was just over the moon because I've been wanting to make a bent enchanter deck forever. And totem armor is like when I did the GDS, the essay that I wrote for the mechanic I would bring back, totem armor was my choice for evergreen because it's my favorite mechanic. It's one of my favorite mechanics of all time. So seeing a bent creature and a bad plane talker that can put a totem on anything the possibilities are endless with this thing additionally you know with with estrid a lot of people don't see this on first reading but you can put the totem armor onto your lands and you can untap your lands later on with yeah. the plus ability often the thing i'll do is i'll put estrid down totem armor up one of my lands right away which looks a little weird but then for the rest of the game i get to plus and untap it so it's it's pretty good well you saw the infinite combo right uh, Estrid plus Chain Veil plus uh, two lands that have been enchanted with, I don't know, Fertile Ground or something to that effect that gives you extra mana. You put a mask on Chain Veil, pay four to tap it to give her a second ability to untap each permit you control. You have two forests that are enchanted to give you four green, and they just untap and Chain Veil untaps. Once you have like that excess of green coming through, you can just keep infinitely activating, get one extra green every loop, and boom, you can get Estrid up to like absurd levels of loyalty, have infinite mana, and just win the game. All it takes is like eight cards. <laughs> and the cooperation of everyone playing green at the table. <laughs> now, Shivam, are, are you implying that there's an infinite combo with a Planeswalker and a Chain Veil? <laughs> I heard doubling season is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, that's actually why the ultimate on Windgrace is 11 because we wanted to make sure you couldn't play with doubling season and use it in the same turn. Ooh. Yeah, but if you have peer and doubling season out. Go nuts. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, one question, though, is, like, people were expecting with Battle Bond that you guys would give us new partners, too, in Commander. Why did you choose Planeswalkers instead of partners? You know, we just did partners in Battle Bond. And doing a bunch of partners in Battle Bond and then doing a bunch more partners that are a little different, if, for example, say that uh. we did back to the old partners in Commander, is both a little weird... But also, it's kind of hitting the same note right next to each other. And partner is a great mechanic. I think we'll probably use it many more times. There's a lot more partners to make, a lot more really cool things to do with it. But we don't need to bunch it up right together. We can do different things, and then next time around, 
will be able to give partner all that much more splash. So I'm curious, when you guys look through the set, what cards stuck out as you as the most unusual or wild or eye-catching cards in the set? Because there's a bunch, this set has a bunch of weirdo cards that I, I love personally, which is why I put them in, in the set, but they've got some weird one of mechanics. It's got these crazy old legend callbacks. It has some, some things that people have been waiting for for a long time. It's got old characters. What were some of your favorites? I read in your article that you posted on the mothership that you want you came up you guys came up with the idea that hey we can bring back all of these mechanics you guys all loved and do cool one-off cards with them and I was like that's a great idea I really like that idea what could they possibly holy crap what the hell is Commander Ninjutsu and then I just stopped. <laughs> Because I saw Yuriko the Tiger Shadow with Commander Ninjutsu, and I was just like, ah. It was exactly what he was like. Yuriko is a card that I am so happy about being in the set. And I'll give you a few reasons why. First of all, <laughs> she is just awesome. Like, that is one of my favorite art pieces in the set. She looks fantastic. Second of all, ninjas have always been one of my favorite creature types in Magic. I love playing ninjas back in Kamigawa. And... I'm a big Kamigawa fan. So with every Commander set, I try and just put a little nod in there, put a little something for the, everyone who is enjoying Kamigawa, because we're not planning on going back there anytime soon. But this is a great chance to kind of show off cards, and this is a gap players have had in their decks for a really long time. There's not a good blue-black ninja lord. Yeah, you can play Vela the Nightclad, but this is so good. And frankly, the card is incredibly strong, too. Keep in mind, Commander Ninjutsu does not increase with the command tax. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Holy crap. The entire game, she is just blue-black to Commander Ninjutsu out there, which is super strong. Shall we read this for the uh, people in the car at home? Finally, yeah, go for it. Okay, Yuriko the Tiger Shadow. One blue-black for a 1-3 legendary creature human ninja uh, with Commander Ninjutsu for blue and a black. <laughs> which, I'll be honest, it read to me like a fake card at first. I was like, you're pulling something. This can't be real. Uh, this is the type of card that I would have dreamed up and somebody would have laughed at me about. Whenever a ninja you control deals combat damage to a player, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. Each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Huh. And Commander Ninjutsu reads, blue and a black, return an unblocked attacker you control to hand, put this card onto the battlefield from your hand or the command zone tapped and attacking. So are you saying then that Yuriko's best friend is Tetsuko from uh, Dominaria? Tetsuko's pretty nice. Yeah, because that whole uh, one power means she's unblockable. Yeah, she's fantastic. And I think she's really strong. A lot of fun decks you can build there. She's pretty good on her own. And she fits really well in the deck, too. One thing, you know, the deck kind of has this blink sub-theme a little bit where you're manifesting the top card of your library and, you know, bouncing it or flickering it and stuff. And a great way to do that is ninjas because you manifest your top card, you attack, they don't block, and you pick it back up to your hand, there's a ninja there, and you get whatever the manifested card was back into your hand. So there's a lot of fun play in the deck with it. And I can foresee a lot of people building up Eureka Dex. She's really strong. Now, there was a lot of debate internally as to how to make this ninja work because before Commander Ninjutsu, I had made a version that, like, when it came into play, it bounced into your hand, and then you could try Ninjutsu it out of your hand so they didn't know it was coming. And I tried a bunch of different versions because the thing was, if you could Ninjutsu from your command zone, that's, like, the least surprising ninja of all time, right? <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, it was decided, hey, 
let's just let it happen. It's cool. And there's this other bluffing element where you attack. They think you're going to ninjutsu in Yuriko. So they're like, fine, whatever, let it through. And then you're like, actually, I've got this Inkai's here. Surprise. It's a bit of a double bluff. So there's a lot of fun stuff you can do there. And yeah, I'm just really happy with how she turned out. She's a blast. And maybe my favorite card in the set, at least among my top five favorite cards in the set. What about Zancha? Oh, uh, yeah, that's one of my other favorites. So the the bonus legends, that, that's what I called them in design, the bonus legends. So these are a legend in every deck that can't command the deck and lets you just kind of go build your own cool commander deck with it. So there's General Varchild, Zancha, Eryxmethes, and Eureka. These were all hyper appealing to me and really fun to try out because they are just entirely different decks you can build with. And to finally get a Zancha card made after all these years. I mean, I remember reading about her in the story and thinking that was a cool character. And to finally get a card made is, is awesome. And to be this really unusual commander that goes into play under your opponent's control, now that's something new and fun to figure out. All kinds of cool stuff you can do there. And yeah, she's actually quite strong. Like, you can kill somebody pretty quick if it's the late game and you give someone Zancha and everyone just pours mana into it. They're drawing cards and the owner's taking a bunch of damage. My, my, I think my favorite <laughs> of the bunch is probably a Rixmithies, though. I just love that card. It is a gorgeous story. It is a gorgeous card. The art is fantastic. And it yes. fits into my kind of play style. Blue-green ramp. Love it. Yeah, that's really good. It is the card that I've been waiting for to run my blue-green Kiora Big Monsters deck with Krakens and Leviathans and everything since basically forever. Thank you for this card. So many people have told me just that. They're like, I don't think anyone else has this sea monster deck, but I've got a sea monster deck, and I can't wait to play it. So it turns out you're not the only one there. Dude, I've wanted this exact card for so long. This exact card? <laughs> well, Eryxmethes was amazing in the story, and I've been one of the people, like, banging the drum to bring him back. The idea of a living island, so cool. But it's a giant 12-12 that's also a land that taps for blue and green? What? What? Yes, I'll take it. Ramp me all day long, dude. Holy crap. So internally, we run a rare poll with every set to get people's feedback on the cards and get comments. Eryxmethes plays second in the rare poll. So it did very, very well. And my favorite comment on Eryxmethes was, I never knew I wanted a land commander, but now I want nothing else. <laughs> Look, man, lands are my favorite part of magic, hands down. I love, by the way, that you don't have to pull the counter off. If your like fifth spell is a wrath or something, you're like, nope, you're just gonna just gonna stay a land for now. It's great. Yep. Yep. One of my friends on Twitter posted that you could uh, combo this with the card that lets you proliferate, and they're like, wait, everybody's like replying, like, why would you want to proliferate this? He's like, oh well, you want to leave them asleep for longer. It's like, why would you do that? Dude, it's a land that taps for two. Why wouldn't you? Well, keep in mind, it's a May ability to pull off that counter. So you don't have to pull oh. it off. Right. So you don't even need to proliferate. So this card is a Scott Larrabee special. I was talking with Kelly Diggs, and he pitched Eryxmethes to me as a legend to do here. And then I mentioned it to Scott, and the very next day he runs out of my desk. He's like, he's like, Gavin, I came up with this idea. And he told me this card, and it changed extremely little. It more or less stayed the same through the whole process. It was absolutely beautiful. Everyone loved it. And I knew people would love it, so I, I wanted to push it, make it make it really uh, an exciting card for the set, and keep it as a, as a marquee piece. By the way, speaking of, of Scott Larrabee, it was really amazing having someone from the Commander Rules Committee on the team. And one thing about the set, speaking of feedback, is we worked directly with the Commander Rules Committee to help create the set. So we talked with Sheldon and the whole gang, got feedback from them, we showed them all of the cards and even let, let them play the decks. So they're another group that brought in their feedback and thoughts into the set to help fill holes in commander decks and kind of make the best overall set we could. 
That's a great idea. <laughs> that really is. Right. Turns out we have this whole government body who's working on Commander. Why not give them the opportunity to influence the design of it a little bit? And getting their thoughts was was marvelous. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really God, cool. I don't even know. There's so much I want to talk about. So we have talked about a lot of these uh, bonus legends and a bunch of other things, but we haven't yet talked about the best commander in the set. It's the perfect commander. Oh, Phil, what card is that? I'm happy you asked, Shivam. I'm talking about Tuvasa the Sunlit, which may or may not have uh, been a card we discussed while you were in your earlier fugue state. <laughs> and why is Tuvasa the Sunlit the perfect commander? Because... It's Bant, yep. so that's green, white, and blue. And in fact, that's its casting cost right there. It's a legendary creature, but not just a legendary creature. It's a merfolk Bant legendary creature. And Tuvasa is an enchantress, which is just absolutely lovely. So how did you know that this would be the best commander in the set, Kevin? That, incidentally, is best buds with Eryxmethes. Yeah, so one thing I wanted for the Bant deck was to have a pretty straightforward Enchanter-style card because a lot of the cards in the Bant deck focused on auras, but I knew people liked playing enchantment-focused decks that weren't just auras, and I sought out to make a card that did that. And we tried a bunch of the different versions that did a bunch of wild things, and eventually I decided, you know what? Look, let's just find the effects that Enchantress players love and put them on a magic card. And I typed it out one day. And I remember I had Notepad up. Notepad is where all my great ideas go, I guess. Because um, I just have a million Notepad documents on my computer at a time. And I was hammering <laughs> on Tuvasa. And I just typed these two sentences next to each other. And they were just gorgeous. They, they're not super long. It's not like it's an incredibly complicated card or anything. But it's just something we've never done together before. And is exactly what you'd want to build a Bant Enchantress deck. So I... Really love how this card turned out. I actually had to fight with a few other set leads for it because after I made it, there were a few set leads who were like, oh, maybe I'll put this in, in my set. Um, but they end, no one ended up taking it. Normally, a mainline set would win out. And so I always offered, hey, if you, you, know, you need this for the core set or if you need this for Dominaria or, or something, you're welcome to take it. But eventually, no one did. And I said, hey, I'll leave it in my set. And I absolutely love how this card turned out. It's just to me, it's a it's a beautiful poem, a much different poem than Eryxmethes, but just two lines that are exactly what this deck wants to do. It's funny because I was uh, reading some comments on the uh, post after we did the uh, tweets and stuff, and some people are like, "Oh, it only draws you one card a turn," and I'm like, "Dude, this isn't the only enchantress in your deck. If you're playing right. in the deck that makes Tuvasa glow, then you're going to be drawing so many cards that you're going to be in danger of decking yourself." What's really neat about it is that it plays on curve, right? You basically, you're playing green, and so you either ramp or you just play until you get the, the three colors. You put it out. And then you're only casting, if you're especially if you are on curve, you're only casting one enchantment per turn for the next few turns anyway, unless they're really, really inexpensive enchantments. But on turn four, you're not going to cast, generally speaking, a one-mana enchantment. So you're probably going to cast a four-mana. Turn five, probably, you know, a five or another four. And then turn six is when you start getting into two or three enchantments a turn. And that is also uh, the likeliest time you have one of the other. What did we count last time? Like seven enchantress effects? There's no lack of them. Yeah. I mean, folks don't really get it. It pays off right away. It'll pay off later because you get at least one double card draw spell out of it. I love this card. And what we found is there's a lot of ways you can build enchantress. One of the 
most fun ways, I think, is curving out with big, cool enchantments. And when you have an enchantress that draws your card on every time you play an enchantment, you're really encouraged to play a bunch of one-mana cantrip enchantments that are just mm-hmm. right. do nothing to build up toward your sphere of safety or something like that. So we wanted to build something that was less about building up with a you know 20 enchantments on the board and locking behind sphere of safety, and more about, hey, I'm just putting out a big enchantment every turn over and over again, and then you get your triggers. And of course, yes, there's plenty of enchantresses in the deck and in magic, and you can play that kind of game plan if you want to. But on a commander especially, where you're going to have it on turn three every single game we wanted to be a little more restrained than that and this card is also yeah. don't forget this is a card attacks for a ton of damage too if you want if you want to unload a bunch of enchantments onto the table fear not tuvasa can just crunch in for five <laughs> six seven eight nine ten points of damage no problem yeah every inexpensive enchantment you cast after the first one only put air quotes around that gives tuvasa plus one plus one Look, all I know is that I'm going to sack my Academy Rector tutor for an Eldrazi conscription, stick it onto Vasa, and punch people in the face. So, Oh, you're a dirty man. So whatever else you guys said just totally flew out the ears because I'm building Mega Aura all day long, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I need to tell you guys, my listeners, something. The first cards I ever bought for a commander deck were Rafik and a handful of enchantments because I was totally sure that I was going to get to make my super exalted aura based enchantment deck the next day i learned that that's the target number one of all enchant- of all commander players yeah, it is. and then i never built that deck and i've been sitting on 150 cards that are meant for this bent deck that have been waiting for seven years to find a leader and i've got one now and it's on <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> yeah gavin this is a really nice card and i'm glad you both got to preview it Oh, God, dude, you couldn't have given it to better people. And, and, you know, one more thing I want to mention on Tuvasa is Tuvasa is a merfolk. Now, I know that this isn't really the ideal Bant merfolk. It has nothing to do with merfolk matters at all. But we're making a Bant card, and we figured, hey, at some point in the future, I'm sure we'll make a merfolk that actually is merfolk matters. But it's not unreasonable to play a number of enchantments in your merfolk deck. There's some that yeah, you that's can play right. anyway. And this at least gives you a commander you can play in those decks and get a little bit of synergy out of. So while if you are a true Bant Merfolk stalwart, someday you will likely get your three-color Bant Merfolk. This is a little something. And we tried doing this where we could. For example, on a much larger scale, this is this is a card that actually is Tribal Matters, we made uh, the Lich um, in the Esper deck that is Zombie yes. Matters. And that card is quite exciting. Yes. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Verena the Lich Queen for one and an Esper. 4-4 four, four zombie. First off, 4-4 four, for four, four, four. Great. But when you attack with one or more zombies, draw that many cards and then discard that many cards. You gain that much life, but you don't discard that much life, which is pretty cool. And then you can pay two and exile two cards from your graveyard to create a tap 2-2 two, two zombie. This card is amazing. This card is silly. And as somebody who has been wanting to find a way to play the white zombies from Amonkhet block... This is amazing. So in Commander 2017, originally, we were, we were trying to figure out what tribes to do. And we ended up settling on the ones we did, of course, vampires, wizards, dragons, and cats. Now, part of the reason we did the vampire deck was so that you could combine your Ixalan vampires and your Innistrad vampires. Mm-hmm. Now, because of how things worked out, that was the, the path we walked down. But we heavily investigated doing white, black, blue zombies so you could combine your Amonkhet zombies and your Innistrad zombies, and Band Merfolk, so you could combine your Ixalan Merfolk and your Lorwyn Merfolk. And so when I was going back to this set, I thought, hey, it'd, you know, it'd be a great opportunity to do something for those decks again, and if it was possible. And actually, Verena the Lich Queen, the idea for doing a zombie here 
while I came up with it in C17, pushing it in this deck came from Glenn Jones in the vision. And while the card he passed off changed, the idea of it being a three-color zombie for that deck stayed consistent. And then when I saw Tuvasa and I had the opportunity to maybe push for being a merfolk, I thought that would be a great chance to do it. And Creative had a cool character they wanted to feature on it, Tuvasa, and it just totally worked out. So I'm really glad we could grant those to people and give a, a tribal decks a little something to play with. So... Yeah, Gavin. Uh, so when we're talking about the fan favorites and requests for this set, one of the ones that a few of us found a little uh, surprising was that the uh, couple from Innistrad, Hall and Elena, didn't show up in this set, which we thought might have been a perfect place to try to slot these kind of forgotten characters like Windgrace, etc. Do you guys have any uh, thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I mean, Hall and Elena are cards that are on my shortlist to get into a set eventually. We want to wait till the time is right, till we have the right design for them. So it's a matter of time. I think they'll show up. And, you know, I could see them showing up on the same card. I could also see them showing up on separate cards, maybe in a future Battle Bond style set mm. that they could show up at, you know, together, right? So, I mean, who knows? There's, oh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of cool options we could do there. So they'll show up, I feel, at some point in the future. Just give it time. Also, you know, Innistrad is a popular world. I'm sure that at some point in Magic's history, we'll go back to Innistrad. Maybe we want to feature them actually on their world, too. So there's a good chance we'll see them at some point. Cool. Yeah. So before we shift too far off, Verena, the Lich Queen, what is going on in that art? That is fantastic. I, I love that piece. I, you know, I'm, I'm no art director, but I know we kind of gave it to the artist to run with, and it came back with something that wasn't what anybody was expecting, but we looked at it and thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So we changed the colors in the art around a little bit, but other than that, we were all pretty happy with how that turned out. And it's not really like anything we were expecting, but I love getting those different kind of vibes in the sets. So you really feel that whole wide range of, of artistic motifs through the commander decks. Well, I love that the art director could have gone with the, uh, the Esper color tones and kind of did, but at the same time, there's that warmth of the splash of red and then the lights and the, whatever that large cavern she's in. And then, oh, there's like some kind of cloth or something on the, uh, on the throne. I just like that weird pattern she's zooming out. Why is this set so good? Oh. I'm glad you really enjoy it. It was fun to work on. And this is, I mentioned this in my article this week as well, which I don't know if you had a chance to read or not. But this is actually the last commander set I'll be working on for a while. I'm moving into the product architecture role on commander because I've done two of them now. And I think they've turned out pretty, pretty solidly. Um, in the future of commander, I'm going to be the person kind of architecting it keeping the vision for the whole thing, thing alive and someone else will be designing it. So, so what, yeah, what does that mean exactly? Right. So the architect role on a product is they come up with the vision for what the themes are going to be. They come up with some of the direction they want to take, how it's going to slot into the world around it. And then while the lead designer is working on it, they keep an eye on everything from like a 10,000 foot view to make sure it's heading in the right direction, can solve any problems that are coming up with the set. If they're running into issues with mechanics, they get the team together to help solve it so it's sort of like they're managing the team lead if that makes sense so if the if the team is if the team lead is managing the team then i'm one level above managing the team lead and kind of what, what they're doing um or just giving them some direction not really managing so it's a very exciting role and it's very cool and i'll still have plenty of influence on commander but i'm not going to be directly the lead designer so i'm really glad that for 2017 and 2018 i got to you know fill it with so many cool and awesome ideas Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, congratulations. That's fantastic. But don't worry. I'm sure it's not the last you've seen on me on Commander Design. Eventually, I will resume the wheel. I feel pretty sure about that. <laughs> so one of the things from uh, Avacyn Restored, which was a set that 
with Ren, when I had come back to Magic finally and was really starting to play, Miracles were amazing. But Miracles were not in black because they didn't fit the theme of the set. And lo and behold, I'm just scrolling through the set list and I run into Entreat the Dead, a black miracle. Is that another of those fan requests you guys have been marinating for 10,000 years that finally showed up? Well, there's a fun a couple things going on there. Yes, people have asked for Black Miracle for a long time. Two, it was a fun one-off mechanic to do for for that deck. But so the story of Black Miracle goes back all the way to Absent Restored. When we put it in, we decided to not do Black Miracles. Okay, makes sense. Mm. A- after that, we talked about doing Black Miracles in an ancillary product sometime. We're like, no, 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 no. Let's save it till till the time is right for a mainline set, maybe. Then we get to Eldritch Moon, and. The idea was that we would do black miracles in Eldritch Moon because in the storyline, Liliana helps them win the fight. Liliana joins the Gatewatch, helps win the fight. Time for black miracles. But we explored that a little bit. There frankly weren't that many designs we wanted to do and eventually ended up discarding it. So this time around, we're like, okay, well, we tried it and we didn't want to do it in a main set. Clearly, this is the place for it. And Ken Nagel, the lead designer of Eldritch Moon, lead designed this as well. It was fresh in his head. And it slotted right into this set. So it was a marvelous fit. And it's a really cool card. Plus, I love that it is just a mirror of Entreat the Angels and Mana Cost. And I, I strive to make it that way because originally the numbers didn't match up. And um, I made it match Entreat the Angels and Mana Cost. And in kind of in functionality, you get extra creatures from, from your graveyard. So it's pretty, pretty fun in that sense. You have plenty of design stories. We've been hearing a bunch of them, I think. Are there any that kind of stand out that we haven't gotten to yet? Did we ask the wrong questions, Gavin? You know, something that I really enjoy, and I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of in my new role as the architect on Commander sets, but I've really enjoyed also while designing, is I've been entrenched in Commander for so long now that I've seen sets come and go. I've seen a lot of designs come and go, and my brain just has a lot of them swimming around. And in Commander 2017, when I was working on that, Ben Hayes actually handed me a file full of things he'd worked on in previous Commander sets. And, <laughs> awesome. And I kept that in mind for Commander 2017 and Battle Bond, and tons of designs came and went, and I took things out of the set. And so when it came to Commander 2018, there were finally a couple opportunities to make cards that didn't fit into other places. So an example of this is the Whip Tongue Hydra. I love this guy. Awesome. Super adorable, the Chameleon Hydra. This card was originally in Commander 2017, and everyone loved it. Everyone loved this card. It was super awesome. It was a cat, and it fit right into the cat's deck. But the problem was it was just way too brutal because the entire matchup started to hinge on if the dragon deck got out a bunch of dragons, the cat deck dropped this, it became huge, and then the dragon's deck board got destroyed. And it wasn't a ton of fun to have a card that just totally swung the game like that. But everyone really liked it, and I got a lot of feedback from people, hey, please keep this card. So I kept it in the back of my head, and... I had a green hole at one point in this set, and I was like, hey, I know what, <laughs> what we, we could do here. Boom, let's slot that right in. Another fun example of this is, so Soar of Discord, this effect was originally an enchantment, and it was in Ben Hayes's uh, commander set that he led, uh, Commander 2015. And it was just sitting in a file, and it had a black hole, and one day I was kind of stuck on what to do. So I just started looking through the his old file and came across an effect that was pretty close to this, and thought, hey, that'd go pretty fun on a demon. So I, I typed it in and put it in, and it started playing really, really great. It's a kind of weird political card. Sometimes you'll choose yourself and someone else. It's like, hey, let's be buddies. Sometimes you'll choose two of your opponents, and that's pretty fun. And it's also, it 
only works because the difference between damage and life loss, which is pretty interesting. It's it's a pretty wild card. I feel like that would be such a fun card with Goad. Yeah, attack attack somebody. Choose wisely. <laughs> Choose very wisely. So that card's a lot of fun. Another one is the Emissary of Grudges. Oh, yeah. So in Commander 2017, we tried this mechanic in design. Ultimately, the mechanic didn't end up working out because there just weren't enough designs with it that were good. We only had two that we really liked. And one of them we printed as Stalking Leonin in Commander 2017. And then I kept the other one under my hat. Maybe we'll do it again someday. And lo and behold, I'm leading Commander 2018 a year later. Hey, we had this cool design for a redirection one. Let's put it in this set. And this guy is pretty sweet because you play him. He's got six power. He comes down and tap and attacking right away. You attack somebody, and if they're gripping the removal spell or something to deal with with your creature, they kind of don't want to cast it. So there's this fun little mini game there, and the card's a blast to play. Plus, if you redirect something huge and, and awesome, that's all the all the better. So those are a few fun stories from the set. They're, uh, they're really great. What can you say about Enchanter's Bane? Yeah. So Enchanter's Bane actually came from design. It stayed almost exactly as is the entire way through. Ken was looking to fill a hole of a red card that hated enchantments. And I know he workshopped a ton with Mark Rosewater to finally <laughs> find one that would be Rosewater approved and worked. And this was one that a lot of people see and they're like, oh, that's not red. But no, it is red. You get the choice. You can always just keep taking the damage if you want to. It's a very red way to do it. And it's just because red a little way to help fight off enchantments. Also, having Morrow do the preview for that helps stave off the is this uh, appropriate thing? Because then it's right. like, well, if he didn't like it for color pie reasons, he would not have previewed it. One other card I want to talk about is Primordial Mist. So Primordial Mist is this card that manifests a card every turn and then basically lets you play your face down manifested cards regardless of if they're creatures or not. And I remember... All the way back when I first saw the morph mechanic, back in Onslaught when I was a small child, I thought, hey, what if you could morph instants or sorceries and then, then cast them? When I, was, I thought this when I was a kid. And then it didn't happen in that set. Flash forward to Time Spiral and morph is a key mechanic. And surely I figure by the end of the block, we'll have some instants and sorceries that morph and you can turn the face up and cast them. And we get, we finally get Lumen Thread Field in Future Sight, which is an enchantment with Morph. We get Zoetic Cavern Land with Morph, but still no instant and sorceries. Flash forward many years. I'm at Wizards. I get to Wizards, and I start hearing about a plan. And the original plan for Cons of Tarkir block actually had one of the modes of Morph being instant and sorceries that you flipped up and that you cast them. And I was like, great, it's going to happen here. And then that didn't happen. And finally, I'm working on this deck. I'm working on this deck that has a lot of manifest in it. This top of the library matters deck. And I'm like, it hasn't happened in the entire time I've seen Morph. I don't see a plan for this to happen. I'm just going to do it. So I made Primordial Mist, and I just love it. It's a favorite card of many people in R&D. It's this blue card of energy card that feels pretty fair. It's making creatures, but it's, you know, kind of drawing you cards at the same time. And then you just have this bonus hand of tutus face down in front of you that might be creatures. You can just turn them face up like normal for their manifest. You can... Of course, cast instants with them. You can cast your counter spells. You could have an array of, of counter spells and mana drains and forbids sitting on the table you can cast, which is a lot of fun. And then also one thing that it does, which is a little more subtle, is if you have a creature with an enters the battlefield effect, it lets you cast it and still get that effect. Because normally if you manifest and you turn it face up, you're not going to get that effect. But here, if you turn your Muldrifter face down, if you manifest your Muldrifter, you can still 
exile it, pay five mana, and cast it for retail. And as a bonus, you give it vigilance. If you attack with it first, hits them, and then you flip it, you know, you exile it and cast it afterward. So I, I really love how this card turned out, and I expect this to show up in a lot of blue commander decks. This card is blowing my mind. <laughs> Manifest is one of my favorite mechanics from that block, and frankly, one of my favorite mechanics, period. Mastery of the Unseen is the one in a white for the card with the activated ability to manifest the top card of your library. Why wasn't that included? It's perfect for this. You could have had a little manifest sub-theme or a larger. The deck has a little manifest sub-theme as is, and actually Mastery of the Unseen was in there at one point had to be a couple things are going on here first of all we always want ways for you to upgrade your deck after you take it out for example since it's divining top is not in the esper deck it's, it's noticed probably the best top of the library matters card or at least in the top three top of the library matters cards that, that exist but it's okay we know people will go and put their tops in their decks if you want to upgrade your deck there's a path for you to do that so i always like leaving a few cards for you to go and find afterwards to be able to put in your deck the Life from the Loams, and the Mastery of the Unseens of the World. Yeah. The second thing is, when we were playing with Mastery, Commander games always have a tough time ending. And with Mastery out, the game would just go on forever because you have tons of mana, you keep manifesting, you keep gaining life, and it just drags the games on and on. So in the Biodome environment, and the Biodome is what we call all four decks playing against each other, we don't want the games to take forever. And so we excluded Mastery for that reason, but I'm sure a lot of people will, will take it and put it in. And one of the cool things about the Esper deck, about the Top of the Library Matters deck, is there's a lot of ways you could take the deck. You could keep going deeper on the top of the Library Matters theme. You could play the Manifest sub-theme and put in a bunch of Manifest cards that care about that. There's even some weirder stuff you can do. You can make it an, an odd converted mana cost Matters deck using Yenit. So there's some really interesting stuff you can do there. Yenit, by the way, one of my favorite cards in the set. I, that card is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Shiva and I were looking at that earlier, and we both saw it at the same time. We were like... Oh my god! Now, did you notice anything about the card? Oh wait, did you sneak Shivam's photo in there? He's got a family portrait hanging up in the back. No, uh, <laughs> all I'm gonna say is the card is extremely odd. Got it. Yeah, it is. Ah, that's very clever. So, Yenit, the Cryptic Sovereign, for two white, black, blue, uh, for a legendary creature Sphinx, that's a 3-5, with flying, vigilance, and menace, three abilities. Uh, whenever Yenit Cryptic Sovereign attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If that card's converted mana cost is odd, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Otherwise, draw a card. That's really cool. Three horns, one wing, three paws, the three columns. Three things off of that fur hanging in front of her? Yeah, three things off that, and five things total if you count the rugs, and three of those little urns and brasiers. Three birds in the background? Yeah, very good. That is some... It's almost like you folks plan these things. There's some conspiracy nonsense up in here. You can, you can look at the name of the card. Might notice some things there. Three words in the name, five in the monocos. Damn. You, <laughs> you are, are going insane. <laughs> so it's seven, seven, and nine letters in the, in the names. That's, that's cute. That's really that's, cute. That, this is one that... I worked really hard with the creative team on because I felt like this had a chance to be someone's favorite card. Every card I want to make is someone's is a card that they love, of course. But there's a, a handful of cards that I think are could be the favorite card um, that is someone sees this and that's like, oh, that's my favorite card. And I think there's a, a number of those in this set. A Rixmathies, I've already seen a ton of people say, hey, this is my new favorite card. And Yenit yeah, really is a, a character that I wanted to push really far and do some pretty unusual stuff with really getting the the oddness into the all over the card because 
it could very well be someone's favorite card. So hopefully if you're out there listening and Yenit is one of your, fa- of your favorite cards or even your favorite card, we did a lot of work to make it happen. And I definitely pushed with the creative team to, to make it make it go this way. So hopefully you enjoy it. There are nine words in the flavor text. Three abilities. <laughs> you're, you're three, five. You're crazy. This is awesome. You work that hard you know on what this. The, what the card number is for you? I see it. 51. Out of 307, which is like an irrational yeah. number. <laughs> Have you tried counting the number of words in the rules text? So that's got to be odd then, obviously. I, I honestly don't know. Can you count for me? 33. 33. That's clever. <laughs> Holy smokes. You guys are crazy. That is, that is, that is called fixing the problem that you had with Grizzlebrand. Legendary creature Sphinx. Yeah. I, yeah. The only thing we didn't get there on was Sphinx's six letters, See, but you know, you only do so much. It's okay. Anyway, there's a lot. There's people, there's more to discover. People keep finding things with this card. Also, by the way, this card is just really strong. Yeah, it is. Like casting spells for free off the top of your library. That's never been too good. <laughs> and flying vigilance menace is a whole lot of evasion. Hey, what do you think about that combination of abilities? I think it's besides it being three of them. Flying is already evasion. Menace is. I like it better than flample. I guess it's weird. I don't know. Vigilance and Menace together seems really just incongruous, but I think it's really cool because it means it's going to get through a whole lot more than it wouldn't. I don't know. It feels odd. Yep. Odd. It feels odd, doesn't it? (laughs) It feels really odd. Did you choose it because it's a weird combination? I wanted the card to feel very odd. It is definitely really odd. Oh, God. You're messing with me, Oh, you know what? I just zoomed in on the art. You know, she has three eyes. <laughs> I love this card. Absolutely love this card. Put so much yeah. love and care into this. Into this. Have you have you read the flavor text yet? Yes. She talks using riddles her disciples alone can unravel. I wrote that flavor text. Well done. That's a that's a, that's a Gavin special. I don't. I only have. I think that's my only piece of flavor text in the game. But I, I wrote it because I cared so much. How about that overloaded uh, desert twister? By the way, uh, Wind Grace's judgment. Moving from perhaps the most subtle card in the set to the least subtle card in the set. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wind Grace of Judgment, that card is powerful. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Uh, I think that was actually a holdover from design, and I changed it from being Jun colors to just being black-green. But it's awesome. I think that's going to be a commander staple in black-green decks. I mean, killing off three or four permanents for five mana is pretty slick. Hands yeah, down. That's amazing. That's a... Uh brand new staple there are so many cards in the set that are brand new staples i keep telling people we got to expand the deck size to 150 because there's just so many cool cards to put in decks now well if only you knew someone from the commander rules committee if only you made commander sets <laughs> <laughs> so how about my personal favorite card in the entire set uh three two one contact as i like to call it ah <laughs> retrofitter foundry yes i i love this card so this card has a pretty fun story behind it actually speaking of stories uh, do you want to read off the card first, Shivam? Retrofitter Foundry, an artifact for one mana. For three mana, untap Retrofitter Foundry. For two and tap, create a 1-1 servo colorless artifact token. For one and tap, sacrifice a servo, create a 1-1 colorless thopter. For just tapping and sacrificing a thopter, you create a 4-4 colorless construct. For those at home, three, two, one, blast off! <laughs> this card makes me so happy. The blue-red to- deck, the artifact deck, has a token sub-theme. Each of the decks has a sub-theme. 
And we kind of settled on tokens because you make a lot of artifact tokens in the deck. Naturally, you've got servos and mirrors running around, thopters, and a number of other tokens. And that's why Brutoclad exists because we made him as this wonky kind of token thing. Plus, you're, like, he's good with clones. Um, so anyway, we're in a meeting, and there's a board of servos, and Scott Larrabee makes some joke about we should have a card that turns servos into thopters and we all just laugh it's like really funny right we keep like making this joke over and over we have like another meeting the next day we make another joke about this, like a card that turns servos into thopters we just keep laughing and then i've got this artifact hole to fill i'm just like wait a second maybe that's actually just a sweet card i've always loved trading post and so i came up with the idea of this card based on like staff of domination and trading post as okay what if there was this kind of like up, I call it upgrade station. What was, was there's this card that could just like upgrade your service to thopters and your thopters to something else. And um, turns out we could fit all the lines of text on a card. And we tried out a ton of different numbers on this. Like getting the numbers right on this was really tricky. But I'm really happy that it costs one mana because you can trinket mage for it now, which is, adds a little bit of extra utility to to it. And unless you just put it down there on turn one. And yeah, it's a slow engine, but in the late game, you start making a bunch of tokens and you start converting them and you kind of get to spend your mana however you choose. Do you want to go in and make a Thopter? Do you want to make two servos? Do you want to speed toward the construct plan? Plus, by the way, keep in mind that it's pretty fun to, in older formats or even your own commander decks, do things like instantly upgrade your Ornithopters into 4-4 constructs. So that's a, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> As a person who loves token decks and blue-red artifact token decks in particular, this card basically was made for me, along with every card in the blue-red deck is just, like, my instant favorite card. So Brutoclad is a design from Jules. Jules, I asked Jules to figure out how, how to make this blue-red token thing work and to come up with a commander for it, and he made Brutoclad, whose playtest name was Otto. <laughs> That's funny. And I went to Kelly, and we're like, all right, Kelly, we like this card. We got to figure out what it is, and... Most of the time when I go over to Kelly and ask them to come up with what a card was, he's got something off the bat. Like, you know, I walked over in 2017 asking about cat dragons, and without skipping a beat, he's like, oh, don't worry, Wasatora, we got this covered. And I, okay, <laughs> sure, right. This was one of the only times I've ever seen hesitation out of Kelly about what we're going to do with this thing. He's like, okay, well, it doesn't really make sense on a Lara because it's got red in it. And, you know, even though the shards are merged now, I wouldn't expect Esper to be doing red artifact things. That's a little weird, especially not a legend like this guy. And then he's like, well, you could make it a Gear Hulk from Kaladesh, maybe. You know, do like a blue-red, what if there's a multicolored Gear Hulk? But why is he making more things? That doesn't make sense. And, you know, he started thinking about it. Then eventually, later on, he's like, oh, wait, wait, Gavin, I got it. It's Brutoclad. I'm like, right, of course. The character that everyone knows, Brutoclad, and then he brings up Sarcomite Mirror, and I, I've always loved Future Sight, and I love those references. So the fact that we made a card based off a single piece of flavor text from a Future Shift card, Future Sight, makes me so unbelievably happy. Um, I actually wondered for a long time if we should put Sarcomite Mirror in the deck, but it's just so weak for Commander that we didn't ultimately. But the, the, the card is a big throwback to it. We've got 2-1 Mirror tokens that it creates, and it is a really huge throwback to that card. So I wanted to make it line up where possible, and, and I love it. I, I asked on Twitter which of the artifact commanders people wanted to play with the most, and Brutoclad won the poll. So people are really stoked to build that deck. I don't think I've ever seen Sarcomite Mirror before. It looks just like Brutoclad, only not as good. Yeah, way worse than Brutoclad. <laughs> wow. Gavin, we can keep talking to you forever. Let's do it. <laughs> this is day yeah, seven of the Commander and Podcast. We've resorted to cannibalism now. It's uh, We're burning cards for fuel. No. 
Okay, so <laughs> since the Commander Committee has not yet banned Cyclonic Rift, how come there was no Rift in this? There are three blue decks. It would have been a great way to get it back in the hands of the players. Well, there's a few things going on there. One is, like I said, I was like there to be ways to upgrade decks. Two, there's a lot of consternation about Cyclonic Rift. And I don't know that we want to introduce it right into the Biodome environment. Plus, the Commander Rules Committee acts independently of us. I mean, they they do their own thing. They they do talk with us about what, what they're going to do. But, you know, they, they kind of work on their own, own stuff. And it, we, there's a big lead time on these products. So I wouldn't want to put a card that might be banned in here if we think there's a really high chance it's going to get banned mm. soon. Not that I think there necessarily is with Cyclonic Rift. The main reason was we just didn't want to give it to a bunch of people right away. But um, it's a powerful magic card, you know? It is a miserable magic card. But it's one that a lot of people use. So it's uh, something One thing I do mind. appreciate about Cyclonic Rift, though, and something we always try and make happen with these decks, and a reason why I would see including it, is it's really good at helping making games end. Mm. One of the biggest challenges with these Commander Precons is just finishing the games. You know, you have a bunch of people playing Commander, especially people who might have not played a lot of Commander before. <laughs> And the game's going to just drag on. And I don't want someone's first experience playing Commander to be a six-hour game of Commander. So it's important there are just ways to break through. And that's why we have cards like Skullstorm, for example, which if the game goes on long enough, that will just end the game. It'll just end it. It's it's so brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I will be playing that card. Play it with partners. It is strong. Well, Gavin, we've been at this for... Now it is hours, actually. And uh, I know that your body is is ready to do two more hours with us. Thank you for coming on. This is an amazing set. Absolutely amazing set. I'm really glad you both are enjoying it. And that means so much to hear because we did really make it for the community. We wanted to create things for, for the community that they would enjoy playing with. And you, you two, as paragons of the Commander <laughs> community, uh, <laughs> the fact that you both are enjoying it means a lot. So hopefully... You both enjoy it, and all the listeners, I hope you're enjoying the new cards as well, and playing the decks out of the box is a blast. We didn't even get to talk about any green cards. My sole comment was going to be, uh, it's it's good that you love green, clearly, because green won this set. It's fantastic. Oh god, dude, Turn Timber Sower is what I've always wanted. See, he, he's always wanted it. <laughs> Look, dude, I, I trade in hyperbole, okay? That's my, that is my coin in trade, and uh, I am a champion of it. Well, it turns out, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, I just stole all Shivam's ideas. So if he's always wanted it, it's just going to show up someday. You guys should go to lunch more. Listeners, you rock for hanging out with us this long. This uh, We have enjoyed this time with Gavin as much as it is possible to enjoy time with anyone. Look, I know that Phil starts every podcast by saying we do this for you, but I'll be honest, listeners... This episode was for me. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, listeners, we do have to throw Shavim an episode. <laughs> Gavin threw him an entire set, and so we figure it's time to give him an entire episode. Next year, Phil, we'll make sure to make it just specifically for you. So we'll get. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get a nice bearded planeswalker in there for you. It'll be great. Oh, it's about time. Does no one have a beard in this multiverse? Well, it turns out that uh, when you walk the planes, it actually just shaves you on the way. <laughs> that's pretty handy Garrick though he's got a spell that keeps that from happening <laughs> or at least keeps it down to a, a manageable well, stubble he's green he regenerates yeah that's true uh, <laughs> <laughs> listeners if you're still here you rock thank you um, we really like hanging out with you folks and bringing Gavin on to hang out with us or actually more accurately this episode Gavin brought us on and let us know what you think because we enjoyed the show and so we hope you did too special thanks to our patrons who show their support by donating to us so we can keep on improving the show without their continued support we couldn't do this let's take a moment to hear how listeners can reach us 
You can reach us by going to our website, commanderandmtg.com. Our email is cast at commanderandmtg.com. You can find us on all of the social medias by searching for Commander and MTG Podcast. This episode was edited by David Mitchell. Our theme song was created for the podcast by Nate Burgess. Our logo was created for the podcast by Mr. Picto with assistance from Kelly DeLuca. You can find more art from Mr. Picto by going to mrpicto.co.uk. Special thanks to tech whizzes Jesse Thompson and Graham Frank and to Justin for the server space. Commander and MTG Podcast is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy. It has not been approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Special thanks to Mike Condon, editor of the Brothers War podcast, for the guitar version of our theme song. Gavin, how can people reach you on the internet? You can reach me on the internet by searching my name and seeing what comes up. Uh, Twitter is always a great way to reach me, at Gavin Verde. You can hit me up on Tumblr, Facebook, Whatever works out well for you. I have a beyondbasicsmagic at gmail.com is my email address. And uh, I'm always up for hearing from listener feedback. And, And what you say really does impact future sets as you've seen this time around. So please let me know what you think. And I hope you enjoy Commander 2018. It means a lot to all of us. Now, Gavin, by longstanding tradition, every time you visit with us, you have an amazing way to take us out. Sometimes it's just inflection. Sometimes it's a brand new phrase. Would you do us the honor this time? Gavin Verhey would like you to know that this was not his podcast. He did not own, he's not own this podcast. Phil DeLuca and Shivan Bado own this podcast. Any complaints, go to them. Any thanks, please email me at uh, gavin.verhey at ilovemagic.com. Now, anything else you need to know, uh, you can find on the Commander website. Goodbye. <laughs>